Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Wednesday, December 11th. We basically caught Dan between trips to the airports, folks. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm not even sure you've unpacked at this point, Dan, because you, you flew back in from Orlando, what, Sunday, Monday? When? I got home from Orlando on Sunday, and I leave for California on Saturday, so coast to coast in six weeks. Uh, oh, the, the only other person you, that moves around that much is Drew Taylor, and that's because he's running from the law. Well, yeah, you know, they're, they're, again, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's constantly sawing off ankle bracelets. It's a, it's a very depressing situation. <laughs> Indeed. Um, anyway, all right. Well, uh, look, you know, like Dan said, early next week, or excuse me, this coming weekend, Dan's headed, headed, headed to Hollywood, and we can talk about what he does when he goes there on our future show. Uh, but, you know, for now, what we're going to do in the second half of today's show uh dan's going to share his thoughts about a rise of the resistance which you managed to get down to orlando for the opening weekend yes. of this new uh signature attraction at disney hollywood studios right oh did i ever and i have so much to share this this thing uh yeah i'm gonna we're gonna let we'll keep that for the second half of the show everybody but okay. yes i certainly did Okay, well, all right, let's 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 do some quick news items up front and then get to the meat of the thing. So um all right, since Dan and I last recorded, uh well <laughs> first of all we had John Boyega. Uh you know, he, I, I believe he was on Good Morning America when he admitted this that, that basically he was moving apartments and somehow managed to not only leave his copy of the script for Rise of the Resistance in the apartment, I guess it was under the bed, which is why he didn't see it and bring it with him, um, but evidently um, a cleaner who came into the apartment to get it ready for the next tenant, uh, you know, took the bed apart, found the script, and then decided to put it up on eBay, which, you know, again, I guess starting bid of $84, uh, you know, Dan, and, you know, thankfully, I guess it was some sharp-eyed Disney employee who was like, wait a minute, uh, and reached out to the seller and reached out to eBay and got it pulled down. And um, I, I just, again, you've got not-so-small boys in, in your house. You've, you've got teenagers, young adults who uh, occasionally do fluky, you know, forgetful things. What what's your thoughts about this? Especially since this, we're not talking about a seventeen year old here, we're talking about a twenty seven year old. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's one of the people we're depending on to keep the resistance afloat. Yeah, uh, I I thought, oh gosh, I kind of wish this didn't come out. Yeah, I mean, I had John Boyega on the show once. I was part of a conference call mm -hmm. to talk with him, and I and I thought he was nothing but charming and generous mm -hmm. with his time and professional. So I was a little surprised by this. Uh, I guess things happen, but he's very fortunate that it didn't happen a lot worse. And that uh, it's, it's a pretty scary uh, guffaw. Oh, yeah. Well, and and not to, to, to you know, be too dramatic about it, but face it, I, I, I want to say this happened with Game of Thrones. And in that situation, the pages actually get out there, you know, uh, you know, things that people have been looking forward to for months got spoiled because, 
you know, those pages get out there. So in a lot of ways, I guess we're lucky that it didn't get out. Um, I, and the reason I bring up the story is just yesterday, uh, 23 tracks from the Star Wars Rises of the Resistance soundtrack uh, became available for streaming over at the Walt Disney Studios Awards uh, website. Now, I, I, are you familiar with the, the, this at all? The, the, the oh, yeah, band? I am. I, I saw that it came out. And mm-hmm. let's see how well you know me. What do you think I did? Well, that's, you know, the, again, I, I, as soon as I heard the story, well, of course Dan isn't going to listen. I mean, Dan's the guy. <laughs> right. He's been avoiding the trailers. He's been avoiding the, you know, it's just that, you know, the, the king of self-control, you know, this is this is not going to show up on his radar. I'm so uh, disciplined, I blindfolded myself on Rise of the Resistance. Just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> no, uh, but I, I'm not going to listen until I see it in the theater. Well, but, but the interesting thing is that, again, that now, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with, you know, we're right in the middle of award season right now, folks. You know, we had the Golden Globes uh, nominations out early this week, and I I think Nancy was telling me in the drive home today that she saw the, nominate, uh, the nominations for SAG Awards had also gone up. Um, so, you know, and so what Disney has done at its award site is, you know, they're they're trying to get uh, John Williams' work for a Rise of the Resistance considered for an Academy Award. Because face it, you know, five out of the eight Star Wars films that he's uh, done music for have been nominated. In fact, uh, the New Hope actually took home the, uh, you know, the, the the best score award back in '77. And, and Disney tried actually, you know, they did, but they thought it was a, a relatively smart move. They they kept the titles off of these tracks. Um, they just listed them one through twenty three, and you know you had to actually listen to them to determine whether or not uh, you know that that again you deemed the score worthy. But the interesting well, and thing he's is such a story. I hate to interrupt, but he's such a John Williams is such a dramatic uh, and mm-hmm. powerful storyteller yep. that my guess is if you listen to this based on a certain musical cues, you'll probably be able to predict a lot of the the film. Well, and that's the interesting point that that uh, that came up, you know, that, that you know, uh, and, you know, and, and and again, because this four year consideration page for John Williams uh, became pretty public knowledge very quickly. And people began listening. Uh, Disney pulled down the page, pulled down the links and, uh, you know, and again, uh, this might stymie their efforts to score, you know, a, an Oscar for John Williams. But on the other hand, uh, you know, the, the, the secrets, you know, the story secrets for, uh, you know, the rise of Skywalker will remain vaulted for at least, what, another eight days, you know, because um, what is it? They, they, don't they actually start showing this? I know it's supposed to arrive in theaters on the 20th, but on the night night of the 19th. Are they 19th. Yeah, the fact, 19th. You, you doing a special screening? Yeah, we're doing one in uh, Peoria, Illinois, at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. We're doing a live podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got us going through the in, the entire museum, the audio, as and we'll be on stage right before the actual thing. But six o'clock, I think, is where it starts pretty much universally on the nineteenth. Ah, that is so cool. We'll All save right. you a seat, buddy. Well, Ivan. All right, that that's a, a, I will prepare a box with air holes now. It's a, <laughs> It's in the hands of UPS. Um, okay, and the other story I, I think that that was significant, uh, you know, while you and I were away, Dan, was the uh, story coming out of the UK on September 29th. And 
I'm talking in specific about the the patient who is at Rowan's Hospice in in Hampshire, England, and um, the staff there, on behalf of uh, this patient's family, reached out to the Walt Disney Company and basically said that look, time is not on this guy's side. He's a huge Star Wars fan, and you know, is there anything he could do because he would really like to see. The Rise of Skywalker. And the interesting thing is that Bob Iger actually got involved uh, in this. And what they arranged to do was they sent a Disney employee to the hospice with a laptop. I mean, the whole notion is that, you know, he went to the building with the, the movie on, you know, a computer or, you know, as close to the finished film. I think that they were still buttoning it up at that point. And they played it for this patient and his family uh, in his room at the hospice. And the the folks uh, again at the, the facility in, uh, in in New Hampshire, England, just couldn't say enough nice things about you know that in fact that the patient himself you know thanked Disney. Said I want to say the biggest thank you to everyone that helped make this happen uh, during what was a horrible situation to be in. You have helped make some wonderful memories and bring some joy to my family. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and what I'm going through is completely dire. And then to top that, I wasn't going to be able to see the film I've been waiting to see since 1977. I still can't believe it. You know, know, the only way I can describe this to say is that this is what it must feel like to be told you have won a million pounds. Uh, And, you know, the wife had uh, a, a similarly positive message to put out that we are Truly humbled by everyone's efforts. Uh, what has happened over the past few days has been truly mind-blowing. From a simple conversation to witnessing the outpouring of generosity has been amazing. The massive Star Wars community has been incredible. Uh, the amazing people who visited, along with the message and the gifts we received, uh, provided us with an opportunity to talk with our son more about the reality of his dad's condition. So, you know, again, this is what I love about this is this is the you know, not only the Walt Disney Company but the Star Wars community coming together to make a, an awful moment for a family that much better. And um, the other reason I, I wanted to bring up uh, the story tonight, Dan, is that a very similar thing happened here in New Hampshire about two years ago. I, I didn't quite get the same amount of, of press or attention that uh, the, what just happened in Hampshire, England. Did but I, I I still want to share this story. Um, anyway, uh, do we have to jump back to December of 2017. There's a gentleman called Ron Velmer. He's a lifelong Star Wars fan. Uh, recently retired from 40 years in the Air Force, and he finds himself dealing with stage four colon cancer. And you know, so but the thing is that you know it's just like okay, it's colon cancer. It, it it moves relatively slowly. Um, and so this is a guy who's read all the Star Wars books and seen all of the movies. And his dying wish was to see The Last Jedi. And initially, the Millimeter family thought, well, well Dad's going to be well enough to see this movie. And so they, they actually went out and bought tickets uh, in advance to the opening weekend, a, a, a screening of Episode 8 that, was gonna, uh, that they were planning on taking him to at the O'Neill Cinema in Epping, New Hampshire. Um, but then Ron's condition suddenly took a turn for the worse. And, you know, the whole notion of him sitting upright in a theater seat for two hours, for, uh, you know, two hours plus, 
uh, was no longer an option. And so, um, you know, Ron's daughter, Elizabeth, tweets out a Vilmer story and uses the hashtag Ron's Last Jedi. And it's just basically ask, can somebody help us here? You know, my dad wants to see this movie. And, you know, and the interesting thing is that it's not Disney Studios that that handles it. It's the local community. Um, you know, and it's it's the folks who who work. Uh, well, the, the hospice that he uh, the facility was staying was in Bedford, New Hampshire, and the one town over from that is the small town that I live in, New Boston, New Hampshire. And these two, the fire departments of these two um, towns, sort of put their heads together, and it's like, okay, so he can't sit in a theater seat for two hours to watch this movie, but could Ron maybe lie in a gurney in the theater? And so they go to the hospice and they talk with folks there and it's like, well, yeah, I, I think, yeah, if you, if you were on a gurney, we could do this. And so, um, you know, the fire departments of Bedford, New Hampshire and New Boston, uh, pool their resources and, uh, not only to transport Ron to the cinema for, you know, a screening of the last Jedi, but also to have staff there in the theater to watch over him just in case, something were to go south. Uh, and th- I, honestly, the best part of this story, at least as far as I'm concerned, is Ron had no idea this was in the works. His daughter hadn't told him. Uh, the only way he found out this was going to happen was suddenly, you know, early one Saturday morning, the a, a Star Wars fan dead dressed in full Darth Vader regalia appears in his room at hospice and says, Ron Vilmere, you have been summoned by the Emperor. And with that, an honor god or first order stormtroopers, they, they, they lead the way. He's wheeled in a gurney out of his hospice facility in Bedford, New Hampshire, to a waiting ambulance. And he's then transported to the O'Neill Cinema in Epping, New Hampshire, where he, as he's rolled into the theater, he's greeted by this, I, I want to say it's 15 to 20 cosplayers in wow. uh, Star Wars outfits. We're talking Chewbacca. We're talking Jawas. We're talking... Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, again, you know, the, our, 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 our dark adult take on, on Mark Hamill and, and they, along with Ron, his friends and his family are treated to their own private showing of, of Star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi. And, um, I, I bring up the story tonight, um, Dan, cause face it, I don't know if you saw the story that ran in the New York times. Uh, earlier today where, you know, that's, it's one of these things where again, no disrespect to John Boyega, but they've got him quoted in the piece where he's talking about how he thought the storyline for last Jedi was a little iffy. And he supposedly talked with about the script's merits with, with Mark Hamill. And, and as a direct result, anybody who's been watching online is that, you know, the more toxic aspects of the star Wars fan community have once again risen up and they're all, you know, the, doing the whole Ryan Johnson ruined my childhood thing again. And um, look, as Dan will tell you, um, this is, this is an aspect of the, the, the Disney fan community. It, they're vocal, but it's small. I mean, it, it's a, it's a relatively small, but loud group. The, That's right. The, the larger portion of this fan community, they, well, they're like the folks back here in New Hampshire who got up ridiculously early on an incredibly cold Saturday morning to help a daughter make her dying dad's wish come true. And these folks did this, this very kind thing, not because they were looking for likes or clicks, but because it was 
the kind, decent thing to do. And and Ron, of course, was thrilled to get his very own private screening of, of The Last Jedi. He didn't complain about the casino scenes or debate whether Rose Tico added anything of value to the franchise. What Ron talked about was how much he enjoyed the experience. More importantly, how much he appreciated the effort of all the people who had helped to make his private screening of The Last Jedi happen. This is, this is a quote from an uh, interview he did with our local... Uh, ABC affiliate WMUR. I hope God will bless each and every one of the, every single one of them, just like I feel blessed right now. And it's just unbelievable that all these people are here. People dressed like Luke, Ray, Chewbacca, Jowers. Thank God for Star Wars fans. So that's, again, not, that's great. Yep. And, and again, not to take anything away from from what Disney as a company just did for this this guy in hospice in Hamp, uh, Hampshire, New England. No, it reinforces it. What you said is exactly spot on. This, this is what Star Wars, the Star Wars community is at its best, mm-hmm. and we are people that are compassionate. We are empathetic, and we believe in building each other up, which very much is on line with the the coda that Star Wars, at its core, is about. Anyway, this mm-hmm. is the kind of stuff we should be perpetuating and retweeting, and not giving any oxygen or social media real estate to things that don't go alongside that. I agree. I totally agree. Anyway, just to finish up here, Ron passed away on January 22nd, 2018. And I just wanted to thank again my, my friends and neighbors here in New, New Boston, as well as Bedford, New Hampshire, who helped make a dying man's last wish happen. And okay. All right. Enough, <laughs> enough with that stuff. Um, let us move on to a much happier tale which I'm hoping is Dan's experience at the opening weekend of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And we're back. Um, okay, so again, you, you got to indulge me, Dan. I'm, I'm, I, I, I love background. So yes. you, you got invited to the, the Rise of the Resistance press event, right? You know, the, the, yes. and, and like months ago, right? Yeah, I did. I, I've known about it for a while and I also knew that the odds were high that because of my day job, I wouldn't be able to do it because as an educator, there's only a certain amount of time that you can take off work because you've got to be with your students. So I wasn't able to make that happen. However, I did send my my good friend and the original co-creator of Coffee with Kenobi, Corey Club, to mm-hmm. cover it for me, and, and he did a great job. However, thanks to MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, I still made it down there for opening weekend, and spoiler alert everybody it is amazing rise of the resistance is amazing stand on the rooftops and shout it out <laughs> okay well that, that before we get to the actual ride now again you know the, when did becky reach out because again you know a minute i always love about you dan is again your students are the priority and you know that that you know, it, and but again, for somebody who has your gig, coffee with Kenobi, you know, it it had to have been tough to, you know, I I got the invite, I can't go. Um, it's so, it's kind so of part did, and parcel, yeah. Nature, the nature of na- the, the nature of the blessings is, you know, mm-hmm. light, equal light and equal dark. That's balance, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. So when did Becky reach out and say, "Hey, why don't we look into getting you down there at least for the weekend, rather than you know, say the actual event." Sure. She and I have been kind of marinating on that for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, with the idea that that was probably what was going to happen. And and uh, she always delivers and it, it worked out beautifully. Okay. So uh, th- did you finish your day 
at school on Friday and then yeah, you know, here's what I did. Work? You'll love it. I, I always think of using a ninja in and out because that's basically mm-hmm. I'm getting my black belt uh, over mm-hmm. the past couple of months for sure. But school got out at 2.54. My last class of the day, I was observed by an administrator because mm-hmm. you have to be every couple of years. Uh, and then I shook his hand, thanked him. The students were great. Ran to my car, got in, got to the airport. I had the airport's about 25 minutes away, and I had to be there in about ooh, an hour before it oh. took off. And mm-hmm. I made it with plenty of time to spare. Went through a TSA pre-check, bada bing. And um, got to Orlando. I stopped in Atlanta, transferred uh, there, and got into my actual hotel at Disney's Coronado uh, about 1230 at, in the morning. Oh. Dear Lord. Okay. Now, you had to, just like me, have been watching what's been going on this past, you know, the past few days with with the rise of the resistance, with people arriving at the park at, you know, in the pre-dawn in order to guarantee, you know, that they get a a booking group and then get in this thing. So when did, again, you get your hotel at 1230? You know, did we actually put our head in a pillow or we just like just start bolting black coffee to be ready to get out the door at three? When, 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 no. what did you do? And there's two things you can be sure of when it comes to me and travel. Mm-hmm. One, when it is time to sleep, I will sleep in less than 30 seconds. I never have a hard time falling asleep. And then when it's time to get up, I am going to be ready to go. I mean, coffee with Kenobi, of course, is the name of the show. But I'm I'm just cut. I had so much adrenaline and excitement to experience this thing. That nothing was going to stop me, so I got up, went down, had some breakfast in the Coronado in their in their massive food court area, mm-hmm. and then I got over to studios about about eight fifteen in the morning. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. And when I was when I was there, so mm-hmm. so I think uh, what, probably what you're well, go ahead. I I, I well, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I I have to admit, I'm I'm kind of intrigued because so many people have been getting their very you know ridiculously early and you know making their way through the queue and you know and and getting their boarding group and you know then beginning the you know the march to the back of the park and so right um all right so you you, it's a this is counterintuitive you're there at 8 15 yes well so let let me let's put a a very very uh significant caveat out there in the first Mm -hmm. place okay uh, I am very fortunate. I am very blessed, and I've worked very hard to get where I am in the Star Wars community. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, that hard work and perseverance, and and the incredible blessings I have, Disney took care of me. Uh, oh. They let me. They walked me right. They were waiting for me. Mm-hmm. They took me right to the attraction, and they let me ride it as many times as I wanted. In fact, at the end of my ride, each time they were waiting for me with big smiles on their faces and said, "Would you like to go again?" And the answer oh. to that is always yes. Okay. So, so I'm very fortunate. But trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And uh, I can give you plenty of tips so that you can make sure that you get to ride on Rise of the Resistance too. Because I know there's a lot of conflicting information out there, but I, I can certainly there tell is, you how to make there it happen. Is, you know, but let's be honest here. that, that uh, you know, Rise of the Resistance has had some operational issues, you know, which anyone who's been following the it's been going on over at Islands Adventure, you know, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do an elaborate, ambitious attraction, uh, you know, th- those first few weeks and months can be challenging. Uh, and, and 
you know, I, I don't need to tell you because you've experienced this thing multiple times. This is perhaps the most ambitious attraction that's ever, you know, the Imagineers have ever attempted for a Disney theme park. And, yeah, uh, you know, lots of pieces have to work. Uh, and when you, you go know, on this thing, I, you are going, I can't wait to pick your brain about it because of your in-depth theme park knowledge and experiences. When you go on this, ladies and gentlemen, <clears> you, there is no way you can ride this and not think to yourself, oh my goodness, what a technological and engineering marvel this thing is. There are mm -hmm. so many working pieces in sync at specific times and places. It is so smooth and effortless. It is no wonder that it is so challenging to to run uh, at a consistent rate. And as far as it breaking down, do you want me to talk about that? Because I, I have plenty to say about that. It's Don't believe the hype. I mean, yes, it does break down, but Disney, Disney knows what they're doing. Do you want me to talk about that now or you want to wait? Sure, 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 sure. Okay, so so the first time I went on it, mm -hmm. I got into the the waiting area right before the first main queue with Ray. Mm -hmm. And we were in there for, I don't know, 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, there was just kind of this weird vibe in the room. And they opened these doors and the, the cast members looked like, okay, here we go. And we all walked out. And they gave everybody mm -hmm. little paper fast passes and basically said when it's working again, Come back and we'll get you on it, which mm -hmm. was great. And, you know, what else can you do, really? Mm -hmm. So uh, throughout the day, then, uh, that happened. Let me think about this. It happened to me uh, one other time. Mm -hmm. I actually got all the way to where we sat in the ride vehicle itself. Mm -hmm. And then uh, an announcement came over the loudspeaker that everybody had to evacuate their vehicles. But the cast members laughed and said, no, stay right here. We haven't escaped the first order yet. And then they interacted with us for a good 15, 20 minutes, asking us what we thought about Kylo Ren, asking us what our plan was to when we got into the resistance, how we were going to help fight the First Order. People were laughing, having the best time. It was so entertaining and so mm -hmm. seamless that I, when I looked at my watch and I saw that it had been 15 or 20 minutes, I could not believe it. Mm -hmm. And then Allison came on again and, and some another guest said, so do we have to get off? And the cast member said, no, you, we're not getting off. We've got to escape. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. the door opened, boom, and we went through the ride. The yeah. thing that surprised me about that is I thought mm -hmm. they would make us evacuate. They didn't. We legitimately mm -hmm. sat in that vehicle for 20 minutes and then rode it once it was all working smoothly. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if Len has experienced that or heard of anything like that as well, but I, I was impressed with that. And I mm -hmm. talked with multiple cast members throughout the day. Mm -hmm. both uh, while the ride was down and when the ride was working. And they had told me, uh, you know, about three times a day, they've and this was after being open for a couple of days, they knew it was going to go down, mm -hmm. but they also knew that they would work at it pretty smoothly and quickly and efficiently to make it back up and running again. Um, basically, the, the best thing to do is to get there early, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But they also said, and, and you've probably heard about this as well, that one of the big things that keeps causing it to break down is has to do with was cell phones and cell phone usage. And someone off the record suggested to me, you know, if everybody would put their phones on airplane mode, this mm. ride would not go down at all. Hmm. Had you heard anything like that yet? Yeah, but you know, which of it, course you can't have people do it. This is not going to happen. You know, it just, but you know, part of the problem here is think about how many people online have already posted selfies with the 50, Yep. Uh, animatronic stormtroopers behind them. I mean, you know, right. and, and, and Disney designed this ride 
for that moment. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a hard thing to try to address after the fact they are looking into it. But, you know, the whole notion of half the reason, uh, you know, that you know, people, especially right now, want to share the fact that I have been on this amazing ride. And, yeah. you know, I went this ride path, there's that ride path, or, you know, did you catch this detail and that sort of thing. So in a weird sort of way, you know, I'm, I mean, face it, you know, for example, Madonna is touring right now and actually makes her audience surrender uh, their cell phones. Everybody has to leave their uh, cell phone outside the theater in a bag that they can then collect, you know, later during the show. And it's like when you go to a, it's like when you go to a screening. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's just, you know, the whole notion of do we really want to do that? Do we really, you know, uh, you know, is, is there another workaround? Is there another way? Yeah. I'm um, sure there's, there's gotta be. Well, you know, that, that, and again, remember we, at the point we're talking right now, Dan, this thing hasn't even been up in a week. Right. You know, and, you know, we've already seen, you know, for example, Disney, you know, shut down, you know, the people's abilities to ride this thing multiple times a day or, or book, uh, you know, uh, you know, the be in to boarding groups uh, because they're trying to accommodate as many guests as possible. And, you know, each day, each day they're getting better and better at it. But it's it's definitely a work in progress. Um, it is, but it's nowhere near the disaster that uh, the that Hagrid's bike is. And I feel like when I was there, cause I definitely was feeling the pulse. I mean, I went, I walked by guest services. I walked into guest services to hear what people were talking about. Cause I wanted mm-hmm. to have a, more of a bird's eye view of, of it. Mm-hmm. And people were frustrated. People, you know, from overseas that came over were frustrated. They weren't going to be able to experience the attraction. And Disney is working around the clock, trying to make it happen for people as best as they can. Of course, while they make magic, they can't do that kind of magic. I mm-hmm. think you have to sort of expect something this ambitious, especially as quickly as they put it together, mm-hmm. that there's going to be some snafus. So it, it might be prudent to wait a month or two until some of that's ironed out. Mm-hmm. But if you do go, I, I think the key for you is to get there as early as possible. Get in there. Get in that virtual queue. Uh, you know, you have to be inside the park. You have to make yep. sure you've got your magic pan and your theme park ticket. Mm-hmm. And then you have to hope the force is with you and sign up. But if you feel like sleeping in or getting there right when the park opens, it's not going to happen for you. It's just not going to. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, <sighs> forgive me. We're, we're going to back up the truck a little bit because um, yeah. I, I just I, I want to walk with you through this thing. So you sure. did the outside queue mm-hmm. and the, the, the pre-show, uh, you know, the sort of tunneling into the ruin, that sort of thing is – Yes, as being the the you know the Jedi class Star Wars fan that you are, what surprised you? What leaped out at you? So this is actually uh, you hear all kinds of stories about people getting choked up throughout mm-hmm. this experience. This is where I got choked up in mm-hmm. the queue. I'm walking oh. through this thing, and I mm-hmm. felt like I was in the Force Awakens on the Resistance base, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking of Carrie Fisher and and her on on the car and in the mm. resistance space and i thought i am here you're walking through these lockers of the x-wing pilots helmets and their mm. and their outfits and you're looking at this incredibly detailed architecture that looks like it was naturally mm-hmm. laser engraved into the stonework mm-hmm. and you are absolutely speechless and this is the moment jim where i realized that immersion 
this is this is true immersion mm-hmm. because it wasn't like I was in a theme park. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was in Walt Disney World. It wasn't like I was on a Star Wars ride. I was in the movie. I can mm-hmm. say that without any hint of hyperbole. I felt like I was in the movie, and that was just in the first queue. And that feeling did not go away. It just be, continued to enhance and enhance and kind of marinate throughout my Star Wars soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you know, and, and, and you know, so many people have discussed the, you know, the Ray hologram, the the BB-8 AA, and and again that that wonderful moment you're, you know, you're you're suddenly out on the airstrip, you know, making the run for the, uh, you know, the the transport. Um, but the thing that people talk over and over again about. Uh, the rise of the resistance experience. It seems for a lot of people, it's their favorite illusion on the attraction is the notion that the very same door that you went through, uh, you know, when it comes time to, you know, when it opens next, you're on a star destroyer, you know, and, and, and this is all done, you know, a seamless bit of stagecraft. The the I heard you in in Len's show talking about this because of course he got to experience this as well, mm-hmm. and he's one hundred percent right. When I was on the original ride vehicle, the the the, the Resistance shuttle transport shuttle, mm-hmm. I thought I was on the ride, like the ride ride, and I well, I mean, I, of course, my head was all over the place because I was just soaking it in, mm-hmm. picking my my tongue off the floor because I just could kept gaping at everything. And mm-hmm. then when through subterfuge, you walk through the same door, which still staggers me. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that Star Destroyer hangar, I was actually watching The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens this week with my mythology students. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking, I was in there <laughs> without any hint of irony because it, the way that it makes you feel is right. And Len is right. It's, it's certainly as tall and massive as you, you felt it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the scope is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like I'm in an aircraft carrier, but it, but it does feel like I'm in a massive, mm-hmm. massive star destroyer and the star field that they have mm-hmm. that is right there. It is so seamless that I don't, I legitimately don't feel like I'm looking at a screen. Now when I'm in the smugglers run, I feel like when I'm in the cockpit of the Falcon, I can tell I'm looking at a screen, but here mm-hmm. you don't have that feeling at all. Okay. So, but, but again, you know, that, that, and I think it's Len who, who, you know, talked about, you know, the sort of using the example of the four different, uh, stretching rooms in the haunted mansion, how, you know, you were, you know, they, they, you know, cleverly move people about and break them down into smaller groups and that sort of thing. But once you're actually on the shuttle and being driven by that droid through, and again, the thing that just sort of leaped out at me is that you mentioned that you're in the movie and it just, it's the notion of the commitment to, I mean, face it, I don't need to explain to you how the Star Wars movies are done with, you know, green screen and set extensions and CGI, you know, so to to be in a space where you can't do any of that you have to, to in order to do this you have to commit to you know a ridiculous level of detail and a, and you know a certain scale that disney hasn't done before and so what were, what were your favorite aspects of that part of the ride uh just the the architecture uh you know you like you just you can't help but put your hands on the walls Mm-hmm. and um, the buttons and the lights and 
uh, just the the atmosphere. You, you just don't even bat an eye. You just think, well, yeah, I'm I watched this movie a million times, so now I'm in it. Mm-hmm. The the thing that's staggering though, mm-hmm. uh, in in impressive to me, was the cast members, as particularly mm-hmm. the first sort of cast members. Now I will say the resistance ones. Whenever there was a moment where they would rescue you or they would come in. They were mm-hmm. so animated and jumping and emotional that you, you you felt like I better run, I better hurry up. Here's the first, here's the resistance. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> you start yelling at people, come on, no, leave them behind. You know, mm-hmm. it was great. But but the first order officers that were there, I mean, they even walk with their hands behind their back as they're pacing back and forth, and they have these wonderful British accents. Um, there was one little girl in particular who had reindeer antlers on, like a headband. And he said, I see you have secured long range communications. <laughs> and and uh, they she just looked at him like scared mm-hmm. and the mom held her laugh and then the officer walked away. And I watched mm-hmm. his face. He didn't crack a smile. And they, they the guests laughed so hard mm-hmm. that that's a huge takeaway for me. Besides the Haunted Mansion, this is about the only place I can remember where it's permissible to be cranky and mm-hmm. rude and short with people. And it adds so much to the experience, so much so that I forgot these are cast members just doing a day's wage. That they were they were living in that Star Wars movie too, having a wonderful time. Well, the the interesting thing is that, uh, at least for me, is that you know, as of late, we've heard about so many people who you know when they heard that these jobs were available, desperately pursued them. And you know, and and a weird sort of where they're living their dream by getting to be. You know, a, a member of the First Order and, yeah. and to be kind of short with guests and that sort of thing. But, but you know, they're really enjoying that this is their, you know, play set as well. That, you know, we get to ride the ride, but this is where they get to work and, you know, get to do this really kind of cutting edge for you know, the thing in a Disney theme park. Oh, I, I now, again, having ridden this thing multiple times during your visit the past weekend, do you have a favorite ride path or... You know what? Uh, I wrote it four times. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I wrote it three times, and I mm-hmm. got the same path every time. Did you really? Yes, I, I kept hoping. Okay. It, it's sort of weird because I'm I'm certainly not shy about being an advocate for myself or trying mm-hmm. to help make things speed along. Mm-hmm. But the way it was done and laid out for you, I just felt kind of like I better just do what this person says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. I just kept walking on the same path. I was always on the right hand side, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. If that I wasn't on the which is the one that's dramatically different, the blue one? I want to say yes. I never went on the blue one. That's the uh, that's the one I did not do. But the one I did do, the one I did do multiple times, the animatronic for one of the main characters uh, from the from the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, who we may have spoken about earlier on the show, is so lifelike. I had to do a triple take to make sure it wasn't actually John Boyega sitting there. I mean, I it's have that. To admit, I, I, that's the how good footage of that is just startling. It really um, is, you know. All right, I, I, I and uh, close this out. I, I, I have to ask. Obviously, you're back uh, in Black Spire Outpost, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and experiencing this 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 brand new attraction. Did we perhaps, you know, slide back over to Smuggler's Run to sort of compare and contrast, or? Well, you know, of course I did. Uh, well, they, they had said to me, would you like, where else would you like to go? I said, well, let's go fly the Falcon. So they took mm-hmm. me on the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later that night, it was only a 10-minute standby line because the park was about to close. So I wrote mm-hmm. it I wrote it twice. Mm-hmm. I, now I can say I've sat in all six places in the cockpit. So that's, so that's cool. 
Okay, and having done that, are are we still a fan of being the pilot? Because face it, yeah, there is nothing quite like doing the jump to light speed. But what about right. the other positions? Well, this was the first time I was the pilot on the left hand side. I'd never done that before. Oh, okay. and I f- I found it uh, to be uh, similarly stressful to being the pilot that goes up and down. Mm-hmm. But I also had a better grasp of when you're actually controlling it and when you aren't, which helps mm-hmm. to kind of alleviate some of the. The challenges the 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 first the first row, as you know, mm-hmm. is definitely the most uh, stressful and challenging. In fact, there was a mom. The second time I went on, I was the gunner on the left side, mm-hmm. and there was a mom when it was done that said, "Never again," <laughs> because people kept, her her kids kept yelling at her, "Go here, go there," you know, and that's that's always well, challenging. No, you, that, uh, that, this is exactly what mm-hmm. I said about but Nancy and my ride experience. It was just, you know, it's one of these things where, especially when you're you you want everyone with you to have a good time. Yes. And, you know, and suddenly you're the one driving the bus or, or more to the point, you're yes. the one driving into the spires. Uh, you know, just it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a little tough if you're in that parental mindset. So well, you, I couldn't help but think the entire time, how would people look at smugglers run mm-hmm. if it opened the same time as rise of the resistance? What would, what would the, pour, the outpouring <sighs> be? I don't know that it would be all that different. Because it doesn't compare to smugglers to the rise of resistance. And the reason is because nothing on this planet compares to rise of the resistance. You know, it's, and we haven't even talked about some of the ride aspects of which we'll close out with, but mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to live up to that. In fact, I don't think it's a fair comparison. It's like comparing, hmm, how do I say this without cheaping? It would be like comparing the best sushi you've ever had to a really, really, really good uh, cheeseburger. It's just not this. It, they're they're both great in their own way. They've both got their own audience. And mm-hmm. honestly, the biggest the some of the biggest appeal for the Falcon anyway mm-hmm. is that queue where we get to see the the Jarek table and going mm-hmm. through the line itself and seeing the back of the Falcon, which that's the only way you can do it. No, that still true. is is that's hard true. to hard to beat. All right. Well, again, we, our time grows short here, so we're entering the lightning round here. Yes. Did we have a particular favorite room? You know, the 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 you know, because again, you you in fact, that's I think half the fun of this attraction is you really go places you didn't expect to go. You know, mm-hmm. and then suddenly to find yourself, for example, on on the gunnery level, and to be you know sort of tap dancing between these massive weapons. That's that's probably the most impressive thing. Mm-hmm. That that aspect is the timing of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun seeing the probe droid. That was an unexpected surprise. I was pretty good about remaining fairly spoiler free. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I wish I hadn't seen a single still or video shot before I went in because I think even though the first two times I went on it, even after the first time when I knew it was going to happen, my mm-hmm. mouth was still wide open. I kept thinking. I kept saying, wow, wow, because it is, there's so many wow jaw dropping moments. Of course, the ad at room takes your breath away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spectacular. It's, it's hard to kind of pick a favorite spot. I think it's pretty cool when it's over and you're, and you're escaping and you're going through where you've landed on Picara because mm-hmm. uh, that's the new planet that they, they were Leia is stationed. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty breathtaking moment, it, but it's hard not to kind of be taken aback. Uh, by this, the hangar bay. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's really neat. Uh, when you first get onto the to the transport earlier on in the attraction, you get to see Poe Dameron's black and orange X-wing life size. That's mm-hmm. the only way that you can see it. That is certainly a stunner. And BB-8 is perched in the cockpit. 
it, it's hard to say. It's kind of like saying which kid is your favorite. They're all pretty special mm-hmm. for very different reasons. Got it. Got it. Um, and and again, face it, you you fly down there. You're there on Saturday. You're home on Sunday. I, I, did we we procure any a Rise of the Resistance merchandise while we were in Orlando? Of course, I kind of went a little a little wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I bought the uh, Rise of the Resistance limited edition Magic Band. They only made three thousand of them, mm-hmm. so I bought a blue one of those. Okay. Uh, I actually. I went into, I, I went into Oga's for a while mm-hmm. and just, uh, I had, I had the white Wampa ale. I'd never had that before. So that was good. I don't know that that's a souvenir though. Mm-hmm. But then I, but I went into, um, Doc Ondar's cause mm-hmm. every time I go, I buy a, a Kyber crystal. So I bought a oh. yellow one just cause mm-hmm. that reminded me of the original Luke Skywalker Kenner action figure. His lightsaber is yellow for the Kenner mm-hmm. figure. So I bought one of those. Uh, and then for some foolish reason, I thought, well, I'm going to go look at the legacy lightsabers. What's the Harmon looking? So I went over there, and some some uh, some kind soul was holding Kylo Ren's lightsaber, and I thought, mm-hmm. and I actually said to the cast member, you know, I I really should not do this because it's going to be a mistake. But can I hold that? Mm-hmm. And he said, sure, and he handed it to me. I bought it. Yeah. Well, you know. The, the- <laughs> On behalf of Mrs. Danza, you saved her the, 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 the trouble of buying your Christmas present, right? Get That's her, exactly the, right. That's exactly there we right. go. Okay, I, 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 I just I do it for altruistic reasons. Totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely understand. I knew you would. Uncle yeah, Jim the, always comes through. Well, yeah. this is the same argument I use with Nancy when it's like when I buy a ridiculously expensive book. So I'm I'm yeah. saving you the trouble of buying this for me. That's right. Okay. Uh, so, but the the Magic Band is the only Rise of Resistance thing I bought. They had T-shirts and coffee mm-hmm. mugs and some hats and mm-hmm. some exclusive buttons, and I liked all those. Uh, but I've I've gotten pretty good about only buy something I know I can instantly display in my coffee with Kenobi Studio, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what I did. Okay, got to admire the discipline there. And speaking of coffee with Kenobi, that that Dan has to motor because as soon as we wrap up here, uh, he's off to record a brand new episode of that. Which I, I, again, by the way, folks, if you have not checked out that show already, um, this is one of a slew of of you know Kenobi related shows that you do for the world. Okay, yeah, correct, Dan, right? Right, yeah, Coffee with Kenobi. You can listen to us each and every week anywhere you can find podcasts. Mm-hmm. This week we had we have a couple of shows reviewing The Mandalorian. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk much more in depth about my experiences on Rise of the Resistance. We've got audio from the Rise of Skywalker press conference that uh, we I sent someone to in California. I've got a roundtable uh, with Michelle Ray, Ray. Is it Rejwan? Right, mm-hmm. that's a Rejwan and. Chris Terrio, the co-writer of The Rise of Skywalker. And then we're going to have exclusive coverage from the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker in Hollywood, California, and our immediate reactions to seeing the movie. So it is going to be a very, very busy week and a half. And if you're on our CWK Patreon page, you're going to get exclusive video and pictures from the red carpet event as well. Holy cow. Wow. Okay. Lots of cannot miss stuff there, folks. Uh, over here, we do okay. Uh, well, we've got Disney Dish with Lentesto. We've got Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. Uh, Fine tuning with Drew Taylor. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, friend. Just um, just mute when Drew talks, and you'll be a lot happier. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 
Uh, we have uh, Marvel Us Disney uh, that I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who does a lot of editing here uh, at the Jim Hill Media. And, um, of course, uh, I want that with Michelle Valladolid. And uh, we're getting our Christmas uh, at this point, it may be our post-Christmas gift guide, as in what you do with all those gift cards, folks. Uh, but, you know, that'll be up shortly. But uh, I'll tell you what, if you could do Dan and I a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only this show, but, you know, the various Coffee with Kenobi podcasts, uh, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what we do here, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, well, that helps me afford these overpriced books and <laughs> and Dan, his lightsabers. And lightsabers. Uh, anyway, well, again, the, 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 Dan's got a scamper, but but when you get back from Hollywood, we yes. definitely have to talk. Uh, and if, in fact, you 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 mentioned the Mandalorian, which we really, really, really have to talk about because I'm I'm I have to admit I am just fascinated by this one-two punch of you know Rise of the Resistance, you know, you know, wrapping up the Star Wars saga and what Mandalorian is doing fandom I, you know it just it's a very very smart play but mm -hmm. again we'll talk about that further on the next looking at lucasfilm